Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to What the Fab, a fan's first sports network fantasy baseball show where there are no silly questions. I'm Sarah Sanchez, and as always, I'm here to break down what's going on in fantasy baseball with some of the greatest minds in the industry in a way that strives to demystify this wonderful game of it while bridging the gap between your home league and the NFBC main event. Today, we're checking in on the state of fantasy baseball down the stretch with Jeff Zimmerman. You know Jeff from his book, The Process, which is basically a Bible for fantasy baseball types, and you also know him from Rotographs and the Launch Angle podcast. I'm thrilled to welcome Jeff to What the Fab. How's it going, Jeff? It's going good. It's going good. It's um always like I know Fab runs and I look at my teams, like, you know, see who I got before I go to bed. But it's kind of like in the morning, it was like, did I actually do everything I kind of wanted to do? <laughs> it's just like and I have some other teams that run at midnight also, and I have no clue. Those are kind of fun just kind of waking up to. Um yeah. just to see who, who you who you got, who you didn't get, and what you have to deal with. Yeah, every uh, fab run, I try to stay up for the Glarf run, which is one of those ones that happens pretty late, I think like 11 central, and I almost never make it. Like I wake up in the morning and the, I'm still calling it Twitter, the Twitter DM for all the Glarf types is like fired up and everybody's already talked about it and I'm just seeing what has happened. Yeah, I don't mind it. Like I know some people kind of hated staying up, like they moved it forward a little bit. Sometimes the um, fab time, but now with such a short game on that Sunday night game, it's almost over by the time fab runs a lot of times. So it's getting pretty close. So even if they moved it back an hour, like all the games could be done. And it's kind of like, you could just set your fab and really there's going to be no new news. That's always the thing that you always kind of worry about, you know, something someone's going to get hurt or something you have to deal with during that game, kind of just keep checking it. But um, with shorter games, it's like, almost at the point where everything could be done and still not have fab run at midnight. Oh, totally. 100%. Um, speaking of games, we have lots of news around the league uh, going on. And I want to just talk through some of these because they're interesting. A couple of guys that are, I'm getting back who have been hurt. A couple of guys I've lost who have been hurt. Uh, we'll just start at the top with the Red Sox. It sounds like Tanner Houck is eyeing a return and, you know, I was skeptical of the Red Sox ability to get through this period where they didn't have Hauk and they didn't have Whitlock. And there were moments I would I would go to roster resource and there were like three starting pitchers listed for the Red Sox. I'm like, how are they still winning games? I don't understand. And yet here we are. Uh, any interest in Hauk when he returns or do you want to take a wait and see approach here? Um, I've kind of been in for about a week in my deeper leagues, just making sure we added him a little bit because there just was nothing out on the waiver wire. So he was one that um, even last week or the week before, it was kind of iffy when he was coming back. So, no, I'm I'm interested with him. I think that he's an above average pitcher for what's available, and it's 
should be streamable. The Red Sox aren't completely horrible, so he should be able to get some wins. So, no, I'm interested. It's kind of a tough week to throw him, though, when he's facing Houston and the Dodgers. It, so. it is a really tough two-step. I think you'd have to be kind of desperate. <laughs> right. And it, it's it'll kind of be league to league, like seeing who I've got and who can go in and who who else I picked up. So um no, it's I'm 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 interested. I think what they've been able to do and kind of piece things together, I'm kind of impressed with Boston right now. Like I think they're one of the few teams that just kind of on the move up. Absolutely. And I have, you know, this is not in the notes. It's not part of the help equation, of course. Um, but their offense has been really solid too. Like it seems like a good place to get some runs. Uh, I have um, Yoshida in an auto new format and Verdugo in a handful of leagues. Cause I I've always liked Verdugo. Just he plays every day. He plays pretty well. He puts up the stats that you expect him to put up and he doesn't usually have prolonged slumps. Um, but, but their offense has been pretty good. And that, you know, that's helpful if you're um, looking for runs, looking for RBIs, looking for any of those counting stats. Yeah. And it's kind of even like Pablo Reyes, I've been kind of interested in. He's been playing good. I'm I'm not sold on Luis Urias if he's actually a good player anymore. <laughs> but besides hitting grand slams, it's like I, I'm gonna try when everyone's on base, but otherwise I don't really I'm not there. But no, it's kind of it's tough to kind of um find anyone because like they're all all kind of rostered in deeper formats. I agree. Uh, pitching has been hard to come by. And the Cubs are next up on this list. They're not making it any easier. Marcus Stroman has a rib cartilage fracture, which just sounds painful and yikes. Uh, Javier Assad had stepped into the rotation to take Drew Smiley's starts. It kind of seems like Drew Smiley is going to have to start again, at least in the short term, which I don't love. Smiley has already surpassed the innings where he was effective. And he's not really been the most durable of pitchers in his career. And so I have to believe that if the Cubs are going to stay in contention, they have got to look to call up somebody else to take some of those innings or to piggyback with Smiley. It might be Hayden Wisniewski. They could call up one of their prospects. I've, you know, uh, any interest in the Cubs here and potential starters there? No. Um, just, <laughs> it's really. I think I would have to be desperate on the win side. Like your ratios are going to have to be kind of um, in a bad, you know, either really bad or really good to be able to handle it. Like I looked into a sod and it's like, you just kind of look on the surface. Everything's like, Oh, well the three, one, one ERA and his whip is one, two, five, which isn't great. But the three point three point eight walks per nine, like that's just going to come back to burn him at some point. And that's just, I know he's got a two-step, and I know against its weaker teams, but those teams can still score, put up a 10 spot on him. So it, it was just – I just wish he wasn't walking as many batters. There's a, a few guys that are that way that it's like everything might be usable, but I just set a limit at like 3-5. And it's like I just won't even look at him above that until they, there's something I, – I just run into too many problems then. That's actually really helpful. I never thought of setting an upper limit bound on the – on the walks question, but that's a really good idea because you're right. Assad, I mean, I did pick up Assad in a couple of different places because I was eyeing this two-step. I'm like, huh, De that Detroit Pirates two-step is, that's good stuff. But yeah, I had not considered, you're absolutely right that the walks are going to come for him at some point in time. And I'm just hoping they'll hold off until after <laughs> they're done with Pittsburgh. <laughs> yes. And, and Smiley, I was in on Smiley early in the season. He was great for a little while, but I do not want what Smiley's putting out there right now. He seems to have kind of lost the precision that was allowing him to do so much uh, good early in the season. I had to drop Smiley and Anna only. He was just killing my ratios. Yeah. And it was just like, um, someone did add him. Mike Chianella. Because I dropped him last week and I moved on to, I just went with a bullpen arm because he just wasn't providing anything more than what a bullpen arm was doing. So it's, yeah, I just can't roster him at this point. There's just better players or even, like I said, middle relievers will probably be better than what he's putting out right now. Fair enough. Uh, the Royals 
added Nelson Velasquez, traded um, Jose Quas to the Cubs to get Nelson Velasquez. And he strikes out a bit too much for my liking, but the power is real. Uh, I've seen it with my own eyes at Wrigley Field. I've watched it for years and was kind of wanting him to get his shot. He's getting a shot with the Royals. He's playing every day, and I think he already has four home runs. I just picked him up in the 12-team Tout Wars um, mixed league because Lar- I have Lars Newbar on that team, and I needed a replacement for Newbar at least in the short term. And I, big, I couldn't find anybody more interesting than Nelson Velasquez, who had full-time outfield playing, who was playing full-time in the outfield. Everybody was a platoon. Um, what do you think about Nelson Velasquez? Actually, I really like him. It was um, his. Batting, he's not striking out a ton, and it used to maybe be a little bit worse. It's still 30% in the majors, but this season, he's down to 24%. It's a little bit even lower with the Royals. Um, His 276 batting average with the Royals isn't going to be there. I mean, maybe he's probably about a 250, 240 or 250, which is fine for what the power he's going to give. So I think on the right team, someone that's going to need home runs needs to move up four, you know, four or five kind of just to kind of change someone out that's not hitting home runs. I think he fits on a lot. He'll fill a hole for a lot of different teams. Like they're just kind of eyeing him like this is power. It's probably pretty cheap and available. I think going forward next year, it'll be kind of interesting to see where he ends up and how the whole Royals outfield works out. Cause there's just almost too many bodies kind of to go around. And the DH is definitely filled with, the catching situation like they've got some good hitting catchers so i guess i I don't know how it's all going to work out someone's going to come out ahead but um but just with the royals having no power i can kind of see them maybe turning to velasquez is just like we'll use him and then figure out the isbel waters oliveras mess that's going on other places yeah they do have a ton of young talent there i really intrigued by the Royals this weekend at Wrigley. I was hanging out there all weekend long. It was perfect Chicago. It was a perfect Chicago weekend. (laughs) It was the air show weekend and Wrigley Field and 80 degree weather and Cubs winning baseball games was fun. But the thing that was really impressive to me was just the speed that the Royals have as a team. They have a lot of guys who are really fast. They're going first to third on everything. They're Want, they want to test your catcher's arm and steal a lot of bases. Like it was just a fun team to watch. And so th- those games were a lot of fun. And I'm glad I, I, mi- I miss Nelson Velasquez. He was always one of my favorites, but I, I, he'll play way more with the Royals than he ever would have with the Cubs. So Godspeed, Nelly. Um, the Dodgers lost Tony Gonsolin for the season. That rotation, it's so wild. I used to think whoever the Dodgers called up, they were just fine. Like I I would take a chance on absolutely anybody. And that has not been the case in 2023. Now they're, you know, Kershaw's back. Uh, Julio Urias is doing Julio Urias things. But after that, it seems kind of shaky to me. Is there anyone here that you're interested in or anyone that the Dodgers could call up that you want to take a chance at? Um, I will take a chance on Pepeot. He's... There is a lot of signs that he's going to be the one called up. There was some talk from the manager. He was mentioned in with Yarbrough and I think Grove. But it was basically, it kind of pointed to like, as long as Pipio's like alive, he's going to get the start. I remember it was kind of a tough one this week to um, throw him up against where, where it looks like he's going to come in. It's Boston, I think is where he would slide in. Um but then after that, it's looking like Arizona. It's like a good kind of um, schedule for him. So I did take a chance on him. I'm going to wait. I may not start him this week. In every place, I wasn't one of those ones I counted on. But he made a few changes here recently, um, kind of reined in his control a little bit. So, no, I'm I'm intrigued to see what he'll do. But he he's not someone I'm going to be throwing in my lineup this week. Good stuff. I did not know Pepio had made some changes. So if he's still available in some places after this Boston start, I might take a, might take a stab there. Um, Minnesota Twins, Byron Buxton is on the IL, which is which is not surprising to anyone. I admit, um, I can't help but like put him deep in a couple of waterfalls and places where he's been dropped, even though I should know better. Uh, 
admittedly four guys who are also hurt. So it's not like I'm, I I have, I think it was CJ Crone. And then I had like three guys who are healthy. And then I was like, whatever, I'd rather replace injured CJ Crone with injured Byron Buxton and figure it out next week. Um, beyond that though, from a playing time perspective, is there anything interesting here? Edward Julian, uh, Royce Lewis rumors. What are you seeing with the twins? They are, it's just going to get worse. Like this team is, has a lot of players that are the same at positions. Like, I don't know if Royce Lewis or Jorge Polanco really, if one's better than the other. So they're just kind of stealing time. And then, so then they're taking time from Julian at second base. I mean, first base is open, but that's kind of going to be Kirloff's spot here soon. Um, the outfield's loaded. Kepler's fine. He, you just have to keep streaming him in against when he's facing a bunch of righties. But sometimes, you know, it's like, oh, he's got three lefties on the schedule. You really can't start him for three games or possibly even two. So I'm just kind of staying away. The one guy I kind of like is Walner, but even his playing time now is kind of taking a hit. It's just a – I kind of just play it week for week. I've got some Julian. I've got some Polanco. Um, I've got some Walner, and it's every week it's just like, well – kind of just see if they start that first game if it's NFBC and just hope you play they play enough on the other ones. One one other guy to be interested in for next year, kind of sneaking in, playing great is Ryan Jeffers at catcher. He he's always been a better hitter than Vasquez. Kind of looks that way and he just is still in like 50% even more. So, I'm kind of interested in to see um I picked him up in a few spots if I got a catcher hurt and um He's, he's interesting. Like I said, I think in the 15 teamers, he needs to be rostered by some team. I don't know if it's, you know, your team, some teams have better catchers, but he's kind of in the top 30 catchers in the league conversation. Oh, great. Shout out for Jeffers. Uh, yeah. I usually try to, I usually try to get one of the high end catchers and then one of that like second tier of guys. Um, th that's my general catcher strategy this year. That meant I had a lot of William or Wilson Contreras, um, and then usually backed up with like a Christian Vasquez type. Yeah. And you can always just, I think that's kind of the way to do it. It's tough. I know some people will go with two and there's other teams that'll be doing the same thing. I think streaming one and trying to improve on one is worthwhile. Trying to do two of them is just sort of too tough during the season. And it may, you may never actually ever get there, but I think if you try to, have one spot that you're streaming and keep trying to improve on. I think that that's a viable strategy. Well, the thing that I realized with getting two of those catchers um, and the thing that has sort of, you know, I, I've got to think about a lot as we get into draft season this fall and go back over some of my drafts, the, there used to be enough outfielders that I felt like I could really prioritize those infield positions and catcher. And then I could like just get my outfielders later. And that is just, there's so many guys in a platoon now that it's, if you do that, you run the risk of like your fourth and fifth fifth outfielders are not everyday players. <laughs> oh, it's, yes. Which like is Jose, not good. <laughs> it's like Jose Siri has been good for Tampa, but it's like if if you watch to see how often he plays, it will drive yes. you nuts. Like he, he's almost one you just have to put in and close your eyes and just hope he gets enough at-bats during the week or he plays, which he, like you said, he ends up doing, but it's, it's not consistent in any way. And I, I used to always try to fight to try not to get players in part-times or platoons. And I think it's just impossible in the 15 team level. I think at the 12, you probably can do it. But in 15s, I think there's a lot of times you just have to move on from those guys. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Speaking of platoons, uh, interesting situation in Philadelphia. So when Brandon Marsh and Christian Pache were on the IL, Johan Rojas was playing pretty well. And I, I was intrigued. That dude had 62 stolen bases across two levels in 2022 um, and does it with a reasonably high on base percentage. And he was pulling off some interesting numbers with the Phillies. He's a good defender. But uh, Marsh came off the IL yesterday. Rojas now appears to be on the short side of a platoon with Jake Cave, which I'm, I'm kind of, that boggles my mind a little bit. Um, any interest here for steals, maybe in an NL only format, or obviously, I mean, if there's another injury, I'd keep an eye on Rojas. He has not been sent back to AAA. 
I'm I will hold out for this week. I'm not there was some talk beforehand that with like the the other outfielders, their other options is like Schwarberg and Castellanos really Castellanos can play some, but it's like it might be nice to have two center fielders out there for the defensive capabilities. So let's see how the playing time works out. I know that um, Marsh was going to play like his first day back. Like every team's going to do that. That's what's going to happen. But I'm not really sure that he's that much better than Rojas. So um, I got Rojas in a couple of spots. I'm just, like I said, I'm just going to hold off, kind of see how the week plays out, see how the playing time is, not just go up the one game, but it could get kind of ugly and who knows more. Some of someone else can get hurt too in that amount of time. Marsh Marsh is not the epitome of health. It's never been. That's true. Um, yeah, I'm holding Rojas too. I'm not dropping him or anything, but I think at least in weekly lineups, I might put him on the bench this week just to see where playing time comes if I can. Um, on the pitching side, Christopher Sanchez has been really, really good. And I doubt you can get him now, but like I picked him up in a couple of places. Good job past me. I what do you think of Christopher Sanchez? He's one of those ones that he, his biggest thing is he started throwing strikes. Like he had some walk issues. Like he had strikeouts, but he was, they were just out of hand. But once he just quit walking guys, I mean, almost like a sub two um, walks per nine, which is in this kind of in this game, it's darn near elite. It's got over eight strikeouts per nine and a 58% walk rate. Like, you just don't get these guys. So no, I'm I'm all in. I'm I think that um I, I think some people just don't want him to be good or he was bad before at times, but these are kind of the breakouts that you hope for. Like they just quit walking people, so just gotta have to ride this out. Um no, I was able to pick him up early. I kind of target him in a couple spots, and I know a lot of people didn't believe in it, but if he just keeps doing what he's doing, just uh, amazing numbers. Like I've said, it's tough to even find someone that's comparable. I mean, I think it's what people hope Marcus Stroman would be, you know, with like more strikeouts, no walks, a bunch of ground balls, but he's actually doing it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I was in early too, but that's one of those things you have to kind of take a chance when the break, like before that you can confirm the breakout to get the guy for a reasonable amount of fab. If you're trying to get Christopher Sanchez now, one, he's probably not available in deeper leagues, maybe in some 12-teamers or 10-teamers or something. But if he's available now, you probably have to spend a pretty penny to get him in a fab league. And if you got him a month ago or a month and a half ago when it was like, hey, what's going on here? You know, you might have spent seven fab dollars instead of 70. So uh, I'm, I'm intrigued by Christopher Sanchez, and I love dudes like this. I love stories like this. Yeah, I, I had him one in my got him for one dollar in my NL only league. I was down to one dollar after my Matt McLean like one dollar moves, and we only have the hundred hundred dollars of fab. So it's like each move is a dollar. So it's kind of tough to do that. But I went in with the one and got him, and I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> it's kind of been nice. a nice little nice little bonus here at the end. Yeah, know your league rules. Uh, I'm in a couple of leagues where there are zero dollar moves, but gotta keep you if you need a dollar to make moves, make sure you have a budget to get you through the next six weeks and, and, and change here. Um, one place where you might be looking for some players, Lars Newbar, as I mentioned earlier, is on the IL. Uh, Alec Burleson, who I picked up a couple of weeks ago in tout wars and desperation, really, just because I had injuries to Jake Fraley and Anthony Rizzo hit at exactly the same time. I actually think I DM'd you about this because I needed Jamer Candelario, like needed. I was, des I, I was, it was a situation where there were no other first basemen qualified and he was one game away from qualifying. And I was like, I absolutely need Jamer Candelario to save my season right now. And the stopgap uh, for the week where Jamer was not qualified for first base was going to be Alec Burleson. I was just going to drop him and I have not dropped him. He's been playing and I kept him in there. Anybody else you're interested in here with the Cardinals? I know that Dylan Carlson, I believe is on the IL there too. Yeah. I'm pretty sure a lot of people are going to be taking a shot on um, Mason Wynn. 
and I don't know how. I'm guessing Edmund's going to move over to second base, but um, people were pretty high on when out of the guys that came. Um, I don't know. I just don't know if there's a lot of power there. I think he might get some average, and when he gets on base, he may try to steal. I just don't know if he's ready for the majors yet. And um, so we'll kind of see how how that works out. Um, he didn't really strike out in the minors, but he's still he's kind of had a cup got a kind of a higher swinging strike rate now. So I, th- I just think there's going to be some struggles coming in. It's not going to be he's going to be much of a difference maker, but it'll be interesting to see how the league adjusts to him and how he adjusts for that, and then um, kind of take that snapshot into next season. Yeah, I'm intrigued by Mason Wynn. I feel like Mason Wynn might be one of those one of these guys who is a better real life baseball player than he is a fantasy baseball player for the purposes of our game. Um, he's a really talented player. I got to see him a little bit uh, this fall, but I am just not sure. Well, we'll find out. I guess we'll find out if the power plays um, at the major league level, and we'll have a little bit of information for next year's drafts. Last but certainly not least. Um, Hunter Harvey is back with the Nationals. Davey Martinez actually made a statement that Kyle Finnegan is still the closer, at least for now, I believe is what he said. I feel like Harvey has been the more intriguing arm and possibly the more talented pitcher most of this season. Do you think that Finnegan holds that job if Harvey is healthy for a couple of weeks and flashes the numbers he was flashing earlier? I think it really just comes down to Finnegan not blowing up. Like he's been fine. The pitcher, that's kind of a problem with, it's not a problem with closers or if it's like, if someone has the job and they haven't failed at it, then there's no reason to take them out for right now. So I think it'll take Finnegan struggling at some point or, you know, for two or three games and then Harvey can come in. But until that happens, I just don't think, I think it's just kind of Finnegan's job and we'll just have like everyone wants Harvey at Harvey's is the better pitcher, but not right now. So maybe next year, I think Finnegan actually might be a free agent. I'm not sure on that. Don't quote me on that, but it's, it's an interesting situation, but it's also for the national save. So I don't know how many we're actually fighting over for the next few weeks. Yeah. Could be like seven. Like I don't (laughs) even know about seven. Seven might be optimistic. There might not be very many saves there. Um, all right, good stuff. You know, it is a interesting time of year for teams, and I tend to break this down in my head. I think in, I think in categories all the time. Uh, so I think in thirds here. Like you have your teams in the top third of your league. You are in the hunt, and you are trying to win your league. You might be in the middle trying to crack into that top third, or you're in the, you're in the bottom third of your league, and you just want to crawl out of that and not end at the very end. Uh, but the the Roto categories, like everything that you acquire in these last six weeks of the season are exactly the same as what you get in the first six weeks of the season. We just don't see them quite the same way, right? Like in the first six weeks, you can see easily a guy who's super hot. Like the home runs count the same though, whether they happen in September or whether they happen in April. What are your strategies and do they change depending on where you are in the standings? Um. I think I really have to focus where I can move up and like I'm competitive in this one. I have to stay competitive in wins. Wins are usually I'm either competitive or I'm out of it. There's one league I'm, I think 17 wins out. Like I kind of quit a while ago trying to even go for it. Like I still have to work with strikeouts. Like I'm still competitive there, but it's all ERA saves and um, whip. So just see where you can move up. And if you can't just, there's just no reason to be holding someone that's not going to provide you the stats you need. Um, If you're out of saves, but you still don't want, but you still have to maintain your ratios, go for the two inning guys, go for the setup men, go for someone else that may give you more of a chance to get a win that week. Go for someone with seven games. Like they're just going to have that. You're going to have to kind of grind those few wins to get what you need. Um, So yeah, for the teams in the hunt, the big thing is just don't kind of think your team, your team is good. 
I mean, it's got you there, but you still need to keep grinding. You still need to improve. Everyone else is hunting. They're looking at you. You need to figure out where they're trying to gain on you. Um, I know in yeah, in one league, there's just all of us are just going for wins. Like I think we've all given up on saves because that's where like the four teams of contention can gain. So it's just kind of a battle of nine starters each week going after it. Um, the other thing is I found is in that case, like we're all going for wins as ratios will start going down. Don't give up on your ratios. A lot of teams will start coming down to you this time of year. It's not so much you're going to move up as other teams are going to move down. So um, that's one of the other things that you can work with, with the roto categories. Yeah, it's really great advice in terms of taking a look at the categories where it's a foregone conclusion, where you can't really lose points and you can't really gain points and you just need to be in that. You just need to focus on the categories where you can get some additional points. The thing that I'm struggling with this year is I don't really have situations where I can punt much of anything. Like I'll be like if I were to punt on saves in a couple of the leagues where I might benefit from that, I might lose five points in the saves category that I would get in the strikeouts category, right? Like I'm in one of those situations where I'm like kind of in the middle of all of those spots. And that that becomes a little bit of a puzzle just to piece together and figure out where you can make those gains or where you can realistically make those gains and, and analyzing those categories. And like, are there actually enough saves or well saves probably not but enough pitchers with innings who are getting strikeouts on the waiver wire to make that worth your while. yeah that's that's tough and then there's there's teams like myself in one league where i don't have the saves and um i am just destroying people in strikeouts because i've been running nine starters out as much as possible i don't have the wins lead like it's pretty close but i'm there's some teams like you won't be able to catch. You might want to look at some of the teams you're competing with and they just may be going with like 10 closers and you really just can't catch them in saves, you know, like, Oh, I need to run three out and catch them, but like, it's just not going to happen. So um, it's, it's when like you have to just spend a little bit more time and it's nice if you're competing against like one person in some cases, especially if you're in like middle of the pack, you're competing against everyone. So the, it's tough to be like, okay, I, I have to move up in here. This is where I can catch the one guy. It's like, no, there's like five guys. So you just pretty much just have to try to put out the best team every week and hope they it's good enough. You know, it's just like we'll have to improve across the board. That's when you have the whole um, a bunch of traffic ahead of you or if everyone's tight, it's really tough to concentrate on just attacking that one person. The game theory is like, oh, I can catch this person, but then that'll make you worse against the other four. Totally. I mean, here's a good example of a situation where I find myself, I'm like, Tout Wars this year, our 12-team Tout Wars League is really tight at the top. Um, there are, and I am at the bottom of this little group at the top right now, so I need to, I need to do some, make up some ground. But, um, you know, we've got five of us uh, within about, Andy's in the lead right now with 94.5 points. I am in fifth with 84 points. But in terms of categories, I mean, there's a ton of points to be had in home runs. Like you're within, you know, six or seven of the home run points and you can get, you can see a way to get five or six points just in home runs, stolen bases. We've got a pack of people, um, like nine people who have between 123 and 135 stolen bases. So if you can start moving in that stolen base category, you can make some moves, hence my Johan Rojas. Uh, investment. But the, the situation that I find myself in that I'm I'm struggling with a little bit, I am way out ahead in terms of the number of runs. I have more than 50 runs more than the next closest person, but that's not a category you can punt, right? Like you you can't punt runs. Like they just come like you would be punting RBIs too. You would also probably be punting some of the category stats. Like it's not a puntable category. Yeah, those ones Sometimes you can move around in. Um, I've got a, I, it's, I know it's way toward the top on the main event. It's probably one of the top 10 offenses. The offense is nuts. But it's like, the problem is I have no pitching. So I'm not even competitive in the overall that way. But it, like, I look like, oh, I can, I can only move up in batting average, but it's like all my best hitters are still going to hit home runs 
RBIs and so forth. Like it's really tough in hitting if you've got a good, I mean, to kind of move over. Like the one thing you have to hope for is maybe throw some steals guys in and not fall down in the other categories. Um, maybe go after, like I said, it's just like a slow move over or just hope you can get someone like Bay. He was available from Pittsburgh this week. He might be able to do it. Win with St. Louis, he might be able to steal some bases. Like you just have to kind of hope you don't fall too far or start getting in in some competitions, but it's very rarely that you just have to keep the, um, keep pounding at the other ones and maybe hit on a John birdie. If someone one shows up here in the next five weeks or so. Absolutely. I'm trying to figure out how Andy got 22 home runs last week. That's bananas. Anyway, um, <laughs> 22 home runs in a week is a ton of home runs for one week. <laughs> That's a lot. Who is on this guy's team? Anyway, uh, that's neither here nor there. Uh, We are well overdue for a quick break. Uh, On the flip side, stick with us. We're going to be talking about our favorite pickups in fab of the year. What went well, what did not go well, uh, what we learned from that. We're also going to be talking about when to stash or if you should not be stashing at this point in the season. When to cut bait on some elite names uh, late in the season when they're struggling and you just need that roster spot and more. But first, a quick break. All right, we are back. Uh, let's start with uh, one of my favorite questions on the show. What was your best and worst pickup this year and why? Um, on the best, I really, I, I know I drafted him in a few spots, but I also picked him up because he was toward the end was Yusei Sakuchi, Kakuchi. Yeah. Um, he kind of has the Assad problem he had of just walking too many guys and he quit that this year. And, um, if there's anyone that's going to break out, like if you have the Kyle Wrights of the world, like when that happens, they quit walking guys. So he was one I had on like a kind of a checklist, like, oh, if this guy quits walking, I'm interested. And, um, when he seemed to have it a little bit under control, I jumped in and that one paid off a lot. I didn't, like I said, I know people had some reservations towards him and um, I was happy to add him whenever I could in, in what leagues I had. You know what? I, I drafted Kikuchi in a couple of places and cut him early and I'm so mad at myself. I needed a roster spot at one point and I don't even remember who I picked up. It was, it was somebody good. It was like a great pitcher and I considered Kikuchi kind of middling and that was a mistake. (laughs) Um, I did not get him back on the waiver wire when I tried to get him back. And yeah, he has been, he has been kind of a revelation this year. Maybe I'll just put that my worst. It's not even a worst pickup. It's just the worst drop that I did this year. It was was earlier. (laughs) No, it's it's fine. It is what it is. Um, my best pickup by far this year was Matt McLean. And the reason I want to talk about this has less to do with like, Matt McLean's been great. Uh, although he's he's got a tiny bit of a downturn last week or so, but he's been great. He's been as good as you could ever hope a rookie would be. There were so many strong, incredible talents called up this year. And when you think about the ones that like, I don't know, Jeff, how many how many of those talents truly hit 5%, 10%? Like, think of the fab dollars we were all burning through in April and May for some of these starting pitchers and for some of these talented, talented prospects. And at the end of the day, the odds of them hitting are small. Yeah, the... Um, I think it's one thing, like, I'm a little bit more focused right now on making sure that it's like, it's a top prospect, but I think like even in the case of Mason wins, like all of his abilities are like his top things are on his great arm and his defense. And it's like, well, that doesn't really win my leagues. Like it might keep him in the lineup, but that's not going to do any good. The one thing um, McLean and um, Mikhail Garcia of the Royals, if you looked at their projections when they came up and if they got full-time playing time because they were running bases, they were both projected to be really good. And I think that those are the ones that it's tough to be like tied to projections, 
but if there's kind of a guy that's been established, I mean, he's played a, a while in the in the minors, gotten you know a couple of two or three full seasons. They have a good idea what they're going to do, and I think those were two cases where it's like, all right, if they stick, we're looking pretty good here, and they did. And um, I was on um, McLean too. He was one of my um, bigger pickups in a few places. I. I was like, well, this is going to be my shot. He came up earlier and um, it definitely paid off. Yeah, absolutely. Um, another way that you can get an edge in your league, but it costs you a roster spot is by stashing some elite talent. Um, and, you know, we talked about, I mentioned Buxton earlier. I actually did not look to see if I got him. That's one of my late, late fabrins. So I'll have to see if I got an active player or replaced my CJ Crone with Byron Buxton. Um, but there's rumors Walker Bueller could be back at the end of the season. Now, what what might that look like? I don't know. At what point are you stashing uh, injured elite talent from the wire and for how long? Because you got to have flexibility with your roster and those bench spots, particularly in leagues where you don't have an IL. Like if you have an IL spot, pick up some of these guys and put them in your IL spot and see what happens. But if you don't have an IL spot, if you're in like an NFBC type of format, how long are you willing to stash some elite talent? It's probably, it's going to start with the depends. I mean, like on what the league status is, but, or what your team status is, but usually each week I feel good having two healthy hitters on my bench. Cause two of my guys on my team are going to get hurt. Like that's just kind of, so depending on how that works out, and then also I want a rotation that I'm happy with. So maybe if there's two of my guys just have horrible matchups and a bunch of guys are hurt, I have to add a middle reliever. I just really can't stash anyone. But if those are met, I will have no problem stashing players to try to get at them. Someone I was actually targeting is Jared Klenick, which is on the way back and was available in a few leagues. So um, I went to try to add him wherever I could. The other thing with stashing is always take a look. I've caught myself a few times. It's like I have player. Um, I'm trying to think of someone that you may have hurt, like Buxton. And he's on your thing, but you're like, Kalenic's going to come back earlier and he may play. You can swap your stashes out, like try to improve them from the guys like this guy's better and he's coming back earlier. Don't just be like, oh, I'm stashing my guy. Go look to see if you can improve your stashes if you have the spots and try to just improve your team that way. I think a lot of times people just kind of be like, oh, this is our stash. This is my stash. I'm just going to wait for him to come back when someone else got dropped. So um, I think that that's one way to kind of improve. But overall, I'm if it's the, almost if the player is a month away, unless they're probably a top six, seven round talent, maybe even higher than that. I, I cut him. I, I've cut the Ladolo. I actually cut Rodon everywhere. I don't think there's anything there this year. So I'm kind of heavy. I'm heavy on the cutting side. Like I just, I move on from um, players and um, um, I love Josh Naylor. I love what he did, but I couldn't hold him during this time right now. So Josh Naylor had been one like, Oh, if I saw, Clinic's coming back earlier and I had Naylor. I'd be like, I just swapped that out pretty quick to kind of improve my team. Well, that's a perfect segue to the next question, which is, which is when do you, and it sounds like you're pretty quick on the trigger with this one cut bait on players who are struggling. I was thinking less of like a Josh Naylor than I was, uh, you know, I don't, if you have a, well, and this, ha this has an IL, so this is a bad example. But, like, I, I have Anthony Rizzo. Anthony Rizzo was great in the first part of the season. Then he had the post-concussion situation, and I was like, what is going on with this dude? Um, if if that was an NFBC type of situation, I think Rizzo was probably a cut the day he it was announced that he was dealing with post-concussion stuff. Because that's just a – that's the type of injury – that probably is going to take him out for most of the season. And the Yankees offense isn't very good right now. Yeah, that's, I'm probably moving on from him at that point. The one thing with first base, you're talking with Burleson. There's just not a lot. There seems to be something. Well, it seems like they're platoon in there or the guy's like a catcher. So he's got that qualification or third base. Like, 
steer. It was, it, it it's dregs. I can't remember who I lost. Oh, I've got Santander, which I moved over because I think even someone else got hurt, but he was playing first base. And I was like, oh, I need to possibly have one if he's out for a while. And I'm like, there's nothing here. I'm just like, well, great. Dominic Smith. Yay. Type first, first base is so, you're absolutely right. It's dregs. There's, there's nothing there. The guys who are playing full time have all been picked up. This is why I was DMing you when I was like, "Oh, look, Jamer Candelario has four <laughs> starts at first base with the Cubs. He'll get eligibility next week. I can, I can patch it together." I was like, I was so excited that Jamer Candelario was about to become first base eligible. Might have saved my roster in Town Wars. Yeah, it's. I mean, even the like the Royals haven't helped where they've had Nick Prado and Vinny Pascantino and, and like Reese Hoskins has gone. Like, there's been some. Le- really good first baseman that have been hurt and lost for the season. Yeah. Um, Anthony Rizzo. Yeah. So like everyone's kind of hurting and they're looking and they're like, Oh, Josh Naylor. Like I lost him in the league. And I was just like, do I have, like you usually don't have extra first baseman. Usually they're probably like your middle spot, but then you're still looking to hope you have a replacement if someone gets hurt. So um, yeah, I'm kind of a heavy cutter. It's, it's come back to burnt me sometimes um, this year. Almost to the day, you can look when Kodai Singa was like walking the world and his whip was just killing one of my teams. And I had a roster crunch where I had my first four picks on the IL and I had to cut someone and he was it. I was like, looking back, that was just like the worst decision ever because he's been great since that point. But um yeah, I'm, I'm like I said, it's come back. It's hurt me, but most of the time, I look at some of the guys on the L, on the IL, and it's just like I dropped Bryce Elders. Like at some point, he was just horrible, and everyone's like, "But he's got all these wins," and it's like, "Dude, I there's just nothing here, so I have to move on." I move on from pitchers a lot quicker than hitters, though. Hitters I just kind of they come and go, but the hitters pitchers like he's walking everyone for the last four games. I don't see this changing. Like if this was the beginning of the year, we wouldn't roster him after four games. So I just cut and move on. It's funny because I was actually, this was one of the things, this was one of my like resolutions for fantasy baseball in 2023. I get attached to my guys. <laughs> and I'm like, I cannot be attached to these people that I drafted in like round 24. Like that, that is, that is silly. Like, so what I did this year and I've got to go back and see how I did with it in terms of if I was actually good at it or not, was I tried to make those last four or five spots that I was drafting guys that I would be totally fine moving on from so that it wouldn't be like, oh, but that's the prospect who I'm really hoping it comes up, blah, 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 you know, like that I couldn't cut them or something. Um, and I don't actually know. I, I usually kind of do a year-end review and go back and look at all my moves and my decisions and stuff. I don't know if I've been better at that this year. I think I have been, but it'll be interesting to go back and see. But I need to be more willing to cut bait when – it's just not working. I mean, I, you know, you need stolen bases, you need home runs. And if somebody isn't providing those things and there's somebody on the waiver wire who can, then you got to move on. Yeah. The small grinds are always just like, Oh, this is a small improvement. And sometimes you're like, Oh, is it really worth it? And it's like, if you just keep taking those little steps up throughout the year of just making a small improvement here or there. Um, like a catcher first base, like if anyone just kind of pops, pops up, the other thing to do is if you have like replacements on your bench is try not to get attached to them. And if you need to take a chance on someone like, um, get go off, you're like, well, I don't know for sure if he's going to play all the time, but it looks like he's got some power and speed. Just have him as your injury replacement and maybe he won't play as much. And, but then he might turn into like pretty much a can't drop player. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you, and you never know when that's going to happen. I mean, I have a handful of leagues where, just because of injuries and where things were and whatnot, I had to pick up a bunch of Mauricio Dubon because uh, there was also like a big dearth of middle infielders available in the early part of the season when like Corey Seager was getting hurt and other guys were hitting the IL. And those months where I had Mauricio Dubon sitting in my lineup and he was playing every single day for the Astros probably kept me competitive in more leagues than I, than I deserved. <laughs> frankly, but he was playing every day and he had all that eligibility and then we moved on and it was fine. Yeah. He was, he was useful for a while. And then yeah, you just can't hold on. It's so intriguing. Like even if you, um, 
sorry, I was like surf, surfing the web here where it's like, if you go to the NFC, like some of the hold rates on some of the players, and it's just like, why is this person still still being rostered? And, and it might be um, like the teams are dead or they just don't have a lot of fab, but it's like, man, I just, it's just like, man, you have to move on from this guy. He's just not good anymore. And um, so I don't know. It's even in the online championships, well, 76 held on to wander. I don't know if I would, if I was doing that or not, like that'd be a tough one right there. That's a really tough one. So um, it's, I it's, it's probably like, Oh, I'm going to, you know, get some more information or whatever. But um, always look at like the obvious ones. Like it looks like at least 30% of the online championships are dead since Taylor Walls is rostered at that point. Domingo Herman <laughs> is, is rostered at 29. Liam Hendricks at 31. Like you can just assume those teams are like dead. You know, Josh Young. That's at a high number of teams. That's a high number of teams that I, I would 44% think... had Josh Young, you know. I mean, I had Josh Young on an IL spot in a league, but that's an IL spot. Yeah, I don't think he's right. Like coming back this year, it's like I think Musgrove's gone too. That's fifty. Yeah, he is. There's a chance he's got like a week. So Jake McCarthy's in the minors, and twenty six percent of the people are starting him. That's wild. Okay, yeah, that those are definitely (laughs) dead teams. So it's Um, kind of it's kind of this one thing. Like you look at it, like what are they doing? And it's like, well, you have to move on from that. We'll see how low Tony Gonsolin goes down because he's pretty much done for too. He was at 60% rostered, but it's, you just don't know what some, some people like just really hold on or don't want to. And my top team, the one that pretty much my whole season is going to ride on at least money wise. I made six moves yesterday and it was, heavily 10 point lead in the league. And it's like, I got to keep moving. I just can't set my laurels on the team. Well, and, let's uh, talk about that a bit. What moves did you make in that league and why, even though you've already got a sizable lead? Let me, let me go. It was, um, I had to drop Ross Stripling. He was kind of useless. So I added Zach Thompson, um, David Peterson. I wasn't sold on his talent. Like I've, I added him and he just kind of gotten worse. So I dropped him for Cole Urban. Um, Bailey Falter. This was one I kind of went back and forth with if I was going to start him or not. And I decided not to. So if I wasn't going to start him for his two step, I just moved on. And I added Andrew Jackson of the Pirates. He's one where it's like, it's kind of like Chris Sanchez. He's doing some interesting things, but I'm not going to start him. So We'll see how that goes. Um, we went to a fourth pitcher, Jose Quintana. I am all in on Jose Quintana. <laughs> and I dropped him for the Rich Hill, who has like a nice two-step <laughs> in two weeks. It's not this week, but the week after yeah. is, is what I was going after. And I know people are like, I, I really need some of the wins, and that's what I – looked at so he has st louis and san francisco and the quintana is so hard because he's pitching really well the mets are just bad <laughs> yeah and when he's and i also looked at like i can't start him i'm not starting him in atlanta this week right that ain't happening and he's got texas yeah. the next week and i was just like at least i can use hill in two weeks like i don't know if i can use quintana in either one of those games no that's reasonable atlanta the, both of those offenses the rangers and the and the braves are juggernauts man like i i look at what they do on a nightly basis and i'm like this is terrifying um so the last two i had david schneider schneider of toronto yeah david schneider he just wasn't when the cubs played when the cubs played there i was like is this a made-up person but no it's not it's a real person it's a great plan so i put in um i just kind of moved on i actually picked up um bay from pittsburgh got some steals there um, I actually won that one at two bucks, but it was just kind of like, you're not playing. I got to get someone that is. And then lastly, I, the first base carousel, um, I dropped Alfonso Rivas and ended up with Connor Joe this week. 
And okay. I'm sure I'm sure I'll go back to someone else next week. Connor Joe's got seven games the Pirates do. So we'll see how that goes. But um it was one of those ones where it's like it's just like, well, I don't have anyone. I just have to keep grinding and hopefully just try to win this week and then hopefully find maybe a permanent guy. Well, and I, I also uh I believe in my heart of hearts that Connor Joe is a Cubs killer, so he may do some damage against the Chicago Cubs this week. I thinking about the number of games people have too is really important. I was just looking at some of my lineups this morning and really like the five game versus seven game differentiator is how I was making a ton of, a ton of bench decisions. It's just Milwaukee this week, which was kind of nice. It was really horrible last week. It was like good teams in. um, So you're happened to, and it was six of them. So sometimes you almost had to go with the two or drop someone good. It was just almost impossible to get around, but this week, just being Milwaukee, you can work around that. Maybe Yelich is about the only guy you just plug and play. Yeah, totally true. That's good stuff, though. And it's interesting to think through that process. I mean, Quintana is somebody I really liked because I was looking for innings. I was looking for length. I He should put you in a position to get wins. And the Mets refused to help him. <laughs> yeah. And I think I would have kept him. I think I had him for like what his starts were. And I just looked ahead just to like, oh, can I yeah. start him? Like, no, no, I'm not going against Atlanta with him. Like, totally. That's, just, that's like a 10 spot just waiting to happen right there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, speaking of like, what is your best piece of advice for navigating late August and September in your leagues? Oh, it's so hard. Um, the one thing is if you're really needing a player that's playing focus on teams that are in the hunt, like they're still having to try. Like I'm worried like Atlanta, even though they're playing everyone every day, they might start shutting people down. I know the Dodgers will, they have no problems resting players. So. Although you can do something with that because one of the guys who I've noticed is kind of on a little bit of an upward trajectory and is playing way more than he should is Kike Hernandez. He, I think he played like five games at four different positions last week. Like he, and they love him and he's doing good. Yeah. Like him. um, But like teams like the Cubs, like that's the ones to go after because they're still going to be grinding the whole time. Um, Even though the Brewers aren't good this week, they're ones that's going to be in the hunt, trying to go for it, trying to put their best guys out there the whole time. Um, They're not going to be kind of messing around and seeing what's going on. But I think another one might be these rookies that are getting called up that the teams might just be like, let's see what you can do. Just go out there. We're going to throw you to the wolves right now. So I think there might be some cases of that. I mean, then you have teams like the A's that bring them up and they play them half time and, or the, or the Rays. The Rays are still being competitive. So they're still going to do their crazy lineups. But if they just bring a guy up and, you know, he's got, they want him to be good. Might as well just try it and see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the teams who are trying will have some more predictable lineups. Although I got to admit, like I, I watch the Cubs as closely as I watch any team in sports. And after Saya sat a ton for about a week, two weeks ago, I benched him last week and I lost a ton of really good Saya Suzuki at bats. He was great this week. So um, Saya appears to just have needed like a little mental break and has come back looking like the Saya we thought he would be. Um, so there, there are still some moves that can and will happen there. And if and if you are a person, likely in an NL only league, maybe in a fifteen teamer, who has bought into the summer of Mike Talkman, if the Cubs call up Pete Crow Armstrong, I think he gets Talkman's at bats. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised the Cubs haven't. Does he not walk Armstrong? PCA? Uh, I'm not sure. Actually, that's a good question. I well, think. The- I- I'm actually, I'm not surprised that they haven't, but it's more because I don't expect Jed Hoyer to do the right thing to help the Cubs win. Well, the deal is, is like, they still have him for next year. There's a lot, I guess he's really worried about the money bit, but it's like, you can still get the rookie of the year. You can still maintain it all. Well, he walks. No, he walks a lot. Yeah. <laughs> well, the deal is, is it goes off at bats, which instead of plate appearances for the rest of the season. So as long as you walk some, you can play them the whole time. But if it's someone that doesn't, 
goes full hobby of bias, they may go over the plate appearance bit. <clears throat> so I think that there's some of that, like you have to have, and even like within a week, then almost anyone that they bring up will still have that rookie eligibility for the next season. Yeah, I'm looking at these numbers right now. I need Pete Kerr Armstrong to be playing with the Cubs. This is this is bonkers. I mean, he's got he walks 12.8% of the time. He strikes out 21.8% of the time. His WRC plus is 138. He steals bases. He's a tiny bit of home run power, not a ton, but t- some. Like I, I just and he plays excellent center field. Yeah, everything seems to. Yeah, I would be um very frustrated with your management. Like it, I daily it's like, I, well and there's some like even as the Mets like they tried they failed at trying but at least they tried yeah. there's some where it's like you're not trying like what are we doing to win and I I don't I don't get it it's um it's like just trying to move around the margins and um I'm just surprised like more teams at the trade deadline. That's everyone that I hear complain about, oh my our bullpen's horrible. Like, who did you add? <laughs> like oh did... the Cubs do not have a left-handed reliever in their bullpen when Smiley joins the rotation. Drew Smiley is the only lefty in the bullpen. And they're like, Yeah, we're good. I'm like, Are you though? I don't think you are. <laughs> they weren't going for that much. I mean, it was not it's like some hodunk prospect. Like I think he's so worried about trading off a prospect, yes. some guys that may turn out to be good. Like if he makes 10 trades, one of them's going to end up being good. I think he just has to accept that. I think there's some many some GMs are just so worried at that 10% that are going to end up looking bad. And it's like if no one else thinks this guy's going to be good, just go for it. And you just have to accept that you could fail at, you know, it, yes. it could be a breakout, but most of the time they're not. Who ever remembers those guys anyway? Absolutely. So Jeff, the question we end the show with every time, and thank you so much um, for joining me today. This has been an excellent conversation. I learned a lot about how to think through um, some of those marginal moves in particular, which I think really are the difference makers in a season. What piece of advice would you give to a new-ish fantasy baseball player? Maybe somebody who's thinking about expanding from their home league or doing an NFBC draft next year for the first time. What's your best advice for them? Um, do it. It's um, jump in. And if, like, if you were jumping into the NFBC, you don't have to go in like there's definitely I mean, $15,000 leagues. They're high dollar ones, but for like 150 bucks, do the different types, do like a $50, um, the draft and hold ones they have. There's some other ones, 12 teamers that are 50 bucks. The biggest thing is like before possibly always jumping in with a ton of money is just kind of learning how everything works. Like one of the hardest things I think for everyone is, and especially was for me is dealing with no IL slots on the bench. Yeah. Like that, that's a tough one to um, navigate. And it's, I I think that just going through a season, even if you don't have a competitive league is trying to figure that out is just do that. And like a, you know, OC qualifier or something like that um, is just kind of learn the format for that. But um, otherwise just kind of enjoy the leagues you like. Like I wouldn't, if you don't like the NFBC format, don't play it. Um, I know some people want total control. They want their daily moves. That's great. Yahoo has, some cash leagues that same way. I want less moves. I wish truthfully the NFBC would get rid of the f- Friday um, hitter change. Like just be like football and like, this is your week and people get hurt. They get hurt. I just, I would prefer to spend my Friday evenings doing something else than worrying about, you know, Josh Naylor's in the lineup or not. But <laughs> it's just, like I said, it, I'm never going to win that battle. It's something, but it's just, if I was the dictator, that that rule would just be immediately gone. So no, just get in and um, do what you like. Like I said, yeah, if you like daily moves, if you you can figure out where you want to go. Awesome advice, and yeah, I play in a bunch of different leagues. Some have daily moves, some have weekly. I am better at weekly leagues than I am at daily leagues because I swear, and I've never tracked this because how could I track the days I forget something? But I swear I forget daily moves like 
a solid 20% of the time. <laughs> I'm like, oh, wait. And like a game has locked and then I'm making my moves late. And I'm like, well, that was not the optimal lineup today. It is what it is. Um, but uh, I am grateful to have friends like you to chat through the decisions that I'm making each week. And uh, where can people find you? Where can they find your work? I'm... Um... If you want to get a hold of me, probably the best place is Twitter. I'm not going to call it that other thing. And um, it's at Jeff W. Zimmerman there. Um, right now, I'm just writing at um, Rotographs, doing about four or five articles a week. And then here soon, actually, I've started some of it, but we'll be, we'll be starting um, on the process this year. A little bit different format. Um, Tanner and I have some um, obligations in our real life. So we're probably just going to go with like an appendix from here for a few more years until our kids get out of the house and they don't have us running everywhere. So um, it was after last year we were doing this, we're like, we're not doing this again, not kind of going <laughs> back. In. It's just so hard trying to redo the yeah. page numbers for just adding a few things. So it's um, I think we're going to be we'll be a lot happier with how things will turn out. Well, I'm excited to see how things turn out. You absolutely should check out the process if you're a newish fantasy baseball player looking to make a move to any type of league or if you just want to learn about the game. It's an excellent, excellent book. Thank you so much for joining me today, Jeff. You can find me at, at BCB underscore Sarah. You can find the show uh, at What the Fab on Twitter. We're still calling it Twitter here. Um, you can subscribe to the show by searching for Fans First Sports Network Fantasy Baseball. And please subscribe and leave us a review if you like the show so that other people can find the show. Until next time.